0: Social marketing is one of them, where the majority of the people working in the field are under 30. And what I find kind of disappointing about that, you're missing an entire demographic. So companies closing themselves off to older workers, they lose the opportunity to improve their brand voice and reach to the older demographic.
1: You are listening to The Thriving Empire Podcast Season 4, all about how to be a brilliant remote worker. Whether you're a seasoned remote worker, you found yourself reluctantly working from home, or you simply want to move from a co-located office role to one that is 100% remote, you're going to love this season. We talk to the founders and leaders of remote teams who share with us their insights on the qualities, characteristics, skills, knowledge, and experience that enable you to be a brilliant remote worker. So if you want to know how to be the best at what you do in the remote work reality, you're going to love this season. I'm your host, Stephanie Holland, remote marketing strategist, traveler, coconut macaroon addict, and remote work style obsessed. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Thriving Empire episode 88. How are you? Northern hemisphere is getting pretty cold. Just saying, all you bikini-wearing people in the south, I am so jealous right now. This week on the show, we chat to Benet Rocket, whose name alone indicates what a firestarter she is. Now, Benet is a remote social media marketer in her 60s, 61 to be precise. Who began this stage of her career only a decade ago, putting to bed the myth that you can ever be too old to start something new? So if you're feeling old in your industry right now, you can stop that right now. So when Kickstarting a new career, she focused on her transitional skills. Her life as an artist was first paired with training as a mental health professional, and she knew that digital marketing from content creation to growth hacking, required many of the same skills shared in both of these professions, namely reconfiguring paradigms, listening deeply, and pivoting quickly. Now, she was trained to let her imagination flow as an artist and trained to be in the moment as a therapist, which makes her particularly effective as a marketer, where you have to have creative and agile responses to unique situations and real-time opportunities. Plus, she brings with her (laughs) a big fat, sexy brain, which I love. She's had remote work experiences on both the brilliant and terrible ends of the spectrum. So she knows firsthand how crucial it is for a company's values to be actually be authentic and for them to be lived in every decision and every interaction in the business. And actually this kicked off our discussion about why not any remote role is the right role for you. Now she's also about to launch her own company with two co-founders to engage and encourage support between women-owned businesses in the social media space. They are building an algorithm that matches women in business based on personality, values, demographics, and their personal and professional goals. And you can find out more about that over at rocket-launcher.com. Anyway, for now, enjoy the episode. Hi, Benet. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie.
1: So today, where are you, Nola or Marita?
0: I am in New Orleans. It's so good to be here. I mean, every all of my work actually takes place on central time.
1: Yeah, that's really fun. And actually, when we first met back in March, we met on LinkedIn, and it was about a remote work topic. Uh, we were then on the same time zone. And now I'm six hours ahead and feeling very sorry for myself about <laughs> it. <laughs> I want to come back. Anyway, very excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. We would love to know, what is the beginning of your remote work story? So how did you, uh, how did your first remote work experience come about? Was it destiny or was it really strategic?
0: I'm going to say that it was a little bit of both. So in 2011, I moved to um, uproot myself from Life In Austin, Texas, where I raised my kids and moved to Merida, Mexico on the Yucatan Peninsula. And I was very fortunate that within a month of living there, I uh, landed a job with a a corporation there. But there were some um, issues. The corporation was about to fold the U.S. owners moved back to California, so I had to find other opportunities. And so there were a few people um, that I had already met within the expat community that were doing remote work. And so I simply reached out to one of those people who happened to be the wife of the president of the company. The company was based in Canada, and our focus was on... Uh, moderation of content
1: and that was a few years ago now wasn't it that was in 2012
0: when i joined them
1: right so you're what we call a remote veteran
0: that's right right close close to eight years uh with that one single company and then picking up other remote opportunities as uh i gained more skills
1: And this is really interesting. What what I want to um, share with the audience now is something that I've emphasized a lot in season three of Thriving Empire podcast, and that is that not any remote role is the right remote role for you. And I've really been encouraging people to think about what are their own personal values? What is their career path that they envision for themselves? Um, What is their kind of lifestyle and work style? And how does that align with the values, the culture and the career, career progression in a remote company that they're looking for. I think just like um, when we're graduates and we just come, we graduate from university thinking, you know what, if someone will just give me a job, any job, I'll take it. And I think that's almost very similar to transitioning to the remote workforce is that you just kind of think, ah, okay, it doesn't matter exactly what the role and company is as long as I get my foot in the door of the remote workforce. So what I want to ask you is that you've had actually a very visceral experience of a remote role not being the right culture fit for you. And in fact, that on the two sides of the spectrum of amazing and terrible remote working experience, you've had roles on both sides of that spectrum. So the one that didn't quite work out for you Although it ticked many of your boxes uh, and, you know, despite the benefits of being remote, why exactly wasn't it the right role for you?
0: Well, what I actually want to start with with why it was the right fit. Um, I was still in a uh, high learning mode, uh, learning how to be an expat. Basically, where do you go grocery shopping? You know, where do I get this? Where do I get that? Who are the friends and new friends I'm going to be making? So the remote position gave structure to my day. It was also a lot of new learning. I had never worked in social media on on any level before, um, and that's actually one of the things that kept me in the role for so long. Is I I continued to learn and gain a skill set. What ended up not being the right thing um, were all the questions that I wish I had asked during the interview process is how are your values um, aligned throughout your processes with your employees? For example, do you have career paths? Do you have mentoring? Um, what's the You know, what's the procedure for any number of problems that can come up? Um, Is HR on the employee side or on the business side? Um, How do you feel about an older workforce? When I started, I was 51. So I kind of wanted, uh, I really should have asked those types of questions. Are you going to continue to promote younger people or will you value what um, a more experienced, professionally experienced and life experienced person has to offer to the company?
1: I love what you touched on there, and that is that. Moving country or traveling and starting a remote job all at the same time can actually be, yes, very exciting on one side, but also very overwhelming. And when you've just moved to a new place or you're moving around every two to three weeks to a month, you really have to find out how to live in the place. And it's often just what you said, just doing the basic everyday things like groceries, where to get all the products and services that you need daily. For me, that was some of the toughest things to find was a hairdresser and <laughs> a, a waxologist. And, you know, just those right. basic things that you don't think about when you're at home, because all of that is set up for you. But then you go, you, you move to another country, you travel abroad and you think, oh my goodness, there's all these basic things that I have no idea how to organize for myself.
0: That's right. And also, I think with remote work, the other the other problem you can come into is um, you always have to have a plan B. Mm. If your internet connection is not strong enough and you are actually on a schedule where you have to be there for a certain time, um, you have to have uh, several backups.
1: Absolutely. I see so many pictures on linkedin of people advertising oh would you love this lifestyle and it's this beautiful picture of of a chalet in bali and i my 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 brain goes directly to the question yes but what is the upload speed
0: that's right <laughs> exactly i i actually uh, when i'm living between new orleans i live between new orleans and merida and so i've had lots of remote workers Uh, stay in my house in Merida while I'm in New Orleans. And that's the first thing they ask me. They want want to see those numbers.
1: It's a really smart question. And I always use speedtest.net. What service do you use?
0: That's the same one.
1: And so you also mentioned in your comment a few moments ago, the emphasis, um, well, made me think of how there is a huge emphasis on being chosen by an employer rather than asking those questions that you mentioned.
0: You know, I had never been in that position before where I felt, uh, I think the job options felt very limited to me in um, being an expat. And so it kind of went out of my brain that it was i I was in this position where I felt I needed to take it, um, versus I had had an opportunity to choose, and part of that is uh, I didn't know people like you that could guide you through the process of of finding remote positions and how to promote yourself as a remote worker. Um, that experience was really gained um, while I was working. So, not only was I, you know, learning more about social media strategy, I was conversing with up to 200 remote workers around the world and learning about their experiences and how they got into it. Was that their first remote job? Had they done others? Um, and then again, with the remote workers that have stayed in my house, I've had engineers, I've had consultants, I've had um, ESL teachers, all kinds of remote workers, and uh, and so you find out that that the world of remote work is much broader, and then you you do have better choices, and you can be more strategic. And part of that strategy is finding out, um, taking more time to find out about the culture of the employer, because it is very unique. Um, The particular company that I worked for was 100% everyone was remote. And there have to be um, different kind of measures put in place than when you walk into an office you can't you can't gauge an atmosphere, a culture atmosphere in the same way. There's no water cooler chat, there's no lunchroom break, there's no let's go to a restaurant in the neighborhood, um, no face-to-face meetings. You, certainly you continue to have, you know, hangouts and Zoom and that type of meeting, but you miss out on a lot of the visual cues So it means you have to become a better listener and you have to become better at asking questions.
1: And actually I was speaking to Sunny Zemer a few weeks ago. I think it was episode 86. And she said that um, asking questions and asking for help is super important.
0: Absolutely. Um, Especially when you're working on a team and there are some accounts that I worked. So there's there's the... um, actual corporation that I worked for. And then we moderated a lot of very big accounts. And one of the best ones I saw was using Slack and being part of their entire team. So uh, their internal, external marketing teams using Slack was a fantastic way to make sure that everyone saw what was going on throughout the day.
1: That speaks a lot to the importance of transparency, isn't it? Transparency and accountability. Everything needs to be so much more visible and visual.
0: I agree with that. And I think um, I'm going to say this as an aside. I think that lots of companies uh, use transparency, the word itself, as a way to actually hide what they're doing. They'll say they're being transparent, but... uh, I've, I've watched that, particularly with managers, that they really are not practicing um, the values of the company. And in some ways, that can happen with side conversations, side calls outside of the system, um, so that the corporation doesn't actually know what they're doing. And that that's a big uh, clue in that the remote system they're using is, is having a breakdown.
1: And one other thing that I think you mentioned as well, which I think is super interesting is that actually it is quite beneficial to get that initial foot in the door, because to your point, you learn so much in that first role that you discover values that you never really knew you had, such as what you've just mentioned about the importance of transparency and how you need to be in a company where the management and leadership are fully transparent. And you kind of understand the real nuances of the meanings behind these words that in co-located companies are easily thrown around because, yes, oh, the CEO is doing an all-hands meeting every Thursday to tell you everything that's really happening, whereas in a remote company, that that kind of transparency has to, has to occur in a very different way.
0: It absolutely does. And the larger the company, the more difficult it is for that, for that to happen. I, I think that the, there that companies are are actually still learning how to, how to approach this and that there's a big difference between um as you know between remote working and work from home. The brick and mortar is is gone and that's work from home. But remote work is um as you said there's there's a lot of nuance to that, and that means that you going into um, a remote position requires requires that you learn to uh, ask and listen at a whole different level.
1: And so let's say for example, you are in your first remote role and you start to realize that the culture and the values and the vision and mission maybe aren't so much in alignment with with you and your work style and where you want your career to go how do you think uh, or you know you can share your own experience as well but when do you when's the right time to decide to leave or to find a new opportunity like how long do you stay how much do you make sure that you learn before you then look for an opportunity and create a new opportunity for yourself
0: well i think that's going to be a little bit different for everyone um i was being promoted to accounts that were really providing me with um, excellent skill set and requiring that i learned new, new things with each account, you know, so going from moderating content on um, a company's Facebook page, for example, and then having to make that emergency call that something terrible's happened. That's, that's one level. Then you go to learning brand voice. And this is, this is just in the social media space for, uh, Fortune 500 companies. But then um, I gained opportunities to really be part of strategic planning. I was really in, uh, enjoying working with these external teams and gaining new skill set. Probably before I left, it, t- it took me about two years to make that decision. And during during that time, I was picking up remote contracts with smaller businesses throughout the United States and one in Mexico. And now I actually have two in Mexico. So I was taking all the skills that I had learned in this position and applying them to these other companies. And then I realized I've just started a remote business. So it was it was definitely time for me to leave. That although the, the major push there were two major pushes. Um, one, the uh, a team member was very manipulative and so stressful that it was impacting my work. The company had no system for reporting her behavior. The second thing was that there were more demands um, being put on me without actual title change, pay change promotions, all of that stuff that go along with it. So that was kind of the uh, turning point for me. I felt that I had enough of my own clients. I could move in the direction I wanted to move in, align myself with companies that practiced uh, the values that their values became more than just what was in their handbook. And uh, I realized that I had stayed with this one particular company a lot longer than I had stayed in any of my marriages. And so it was time to leave that toxic situation.
1: But it's good because you had an active plan B that was turning into your plan A. So I think you did that really strategically. Now, before you mentioned that you, um, one of the questions you'd wished you'd asked that employer during the interview process was, how do you feel about the older workforce? So this is something I really want to touch on because, you know, a lot of people think that if they're over 40, 50, 60, that remote work is not for me. And um, there's this perception that you know the remote workforce is, or really a stereotype or a cliche, of you know the rem- remote workforce is full of 26 year old digital nomads living these Bali <laughs> lifestyles. Um, and of course, there are startup CEOs in their twenties because you know there are some people who, having been a design or sorry a developer for three years, they get you know, f- funding and they become CEO of their own company. So it really is perceived as a very young industry um, and. Although there's a lot of anti discrimination messaging around that includes you know we we do not discriminate based on age i'm I'm not sure that this is uh, well but just based on my own experience I'm not sure that there is a lot of authenticity in that messaging necessarily, but I just want to say that as a woman who is sixty one now you've been now working remotely since you were fifty one it's a decade on now, you are an absolute inspiration and a role model for me um, but just in general for women and people over 40, over 50, over 60, who might be thinking that they are too old to apply or even think about remote work. So first of all, I want to say thank you so much for being such an inspiring role model and continuing to put yourself out there and talk about what you do and starting your own business and launching these amazing things into the world. Um, but I also know that it isn't necessarily easy. So I wonder if you could just share a little bit about your experience of, of applying for roles as uh, and working in companies as a six-year-old uh, woman.
0: So when COVID hit, and I had just uh, left the position I had been working in for for eight years, although I had clients, I was feeling this uh, this uh, push. You know, there's a little bit of panic. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to the companies that I'm, I'm serving? so maybe i should go out and try to find something else uh you know just to make sure there's there's always a a base um uh, financial base and what i what i found was was uh you know getting kind of like smarter about the way i wanted to do things is that there are are certain um uh, industries social marketing is one of them where the majority of the people working in the field are are under 30. And what I find kind of disappointing about that, and I pointed this out in a couple of, of the interviews that I had, is you're missing an entire demographic. You have your, uh, let's say that you're, working on uh, one of your clients is in real estate and if everybody working on those accounts is under 30 has possibly never been married maybe getting medical insurance for the first time in their life um, has maybe a car payment but they've never owned a home how are you going to speak to the demographic that's actually in a position to buy, right? So companies closing themselves off to older workers, they lose the opportunity to improve their brand voice and reach um, to the older demographic.
1: I would argue that they're missing every demographic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Apart from the under 30s, I think it, it's also widely spoken about the danger that there are um, so many 26-year-old white male developers creating all of our apps and how everybody uses in their day-to-day life. And what happened with the Apple Health app was that because of that, women couldn't monitor their menstrual cycle because the menstrual cycle wasn't even included in the health right. app.
0: Yes, right. It was forgotten.
1: Yeah, and I'm
0: I'm not going to disagree with you on they're missing all the demographics, um, but they're they're definitely not taking advantage of of uh, the experience that older workers can bring to improving whatever their product is, whatever their industry is. You know, um, they're really not taking advantage of that, and I I, I I'm at a at a loss as to why, and, and there, I think that, the, I can tell you that the three companies that I had multiple rounds of interviews with, um, three actually for each, each one of them, were absolutely shocked by my questions. And, you know, lots of stammering about, okay, well, really tell me about how you're doing diversity and inclusion. I'm looking at your website, everybody's 20, everybody's white. The majority of them are white males. So how are you really uh, taking care of that and addressing that issue?
1: And I love one of your questions that you mentioned when we spoke last week uh, was how how do you feel about having a grandmother in your group? That's right.
0: <laughs> a grandmother of four. And they were like, one, one company, all their response was, well, we've had an older gentleman. And I think, okay, high five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so what advice would you give to others who are feeling too old to apply for a remote role? You've already mentioned upskilling in terms of tools and skills.
0: I think one of the best things you can do is if you reimagine your skill set, And how that could help a company advance, you know, increase sales, whatever it is. Reimagine yourself doing that remotely and then go and look at their websites, study them, look at at, uh, jobs, you know, job descriptions from uh, all kinds of companies that are related to what you think you want to do. Then you can prepare yourself ahead of time. I did that with one of mine. They were really big on using Sprout, and so I did a little bit of research, played around with the tool before I applied, and I really, I really believe that that helped me advance through the interview process. And now I have a new skill set.
1: That's absolutely amazing! Oh my goodness, that's that's inspiring. That's something actually everybody should be doing anyway. Benet, what is the best way for people to find out more about you? Um, my LinkedIn. Amazing. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I really
0: enjoyed it.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Thriving Empire. I appreciate you being here and hanging out with me. Now, if you're not subscribed already, head over to stephanieholland.co, that's C-O, and sign up right on the page so that you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, I have a favor to ask you. Would you rate and review it on iTunes, please? Just search Thriving Empire on iTunes. Click subscribe, then ratings and reviews, and you'll be asked to give it a start rating and a quick sentence or two on what you think about it and what you think about me now this will really help other people find it too so that more people can build their career and create the life they really want simultaneously thank you so much have a beautiful week and see you next time on thriving empire